0: everyone it's dawn sarah with sex gets real and this week i've got two very special guests that i love dearly and they're fabulous and you're gonna fall in love with them so we have brian and sarah from yaysex.ca hello you two hi (laughs) don hi i'm so happy that you're on the podcast with me
1: we have the biggest smiles ever right now
0: <laughs> yay <laughs> well that's we convenient made the
1: most ridiculous faces when you introduced us so.
0: <laughs> well ridiculous faces ridiculous sounds all of it is welcome
1: <laughs> so yeah we, we can make sex noises is what you're saying oh for sure okay sweet
0: yeah so if that just randomly starts happening you get turned on we're all okay with that i think okay. beautiful. for sure yeah i heard that last night A little bit of sex was had.
2: There might've been a little bit of a marathon.
0: A little bit of a marathon. A little bit of a marathon. Just a half marathon. Just a half marathon. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Some training for the...
0: (laughs) So what would a full sex marathon actually be like?
2: A full sex marathon, um, you know when, like, you, say, watch a long-distance runner and they get to the end and they collapse and throw up? Uh That's pretty much about it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. That's how it ends up.
0: So it's not, like, a specific amount of time or a specific number of activities. It's just you basically fuck until you vomit and pass out.
2: Until dehydration and muscle exhaustion kicks in. Yeah. Awesome.
1: We want to be inclusive of people's body limits, right? Right. It doesn't matter how long you can go. It's how hard you try. I wish that was the case for running. Actually, I'd be such a good yeah, runner. me too. All a marathon was was running Is until it, you puke. Yeah,
2: you to the block and you're
0: like, oh yeah. Seriously, I could like puke in like three blocks if I was running, and then I could be like, I ran a marathon because I puked. The
1: Fastest marathon
0: runner. <laughs> it would be really sad if I ran three blocks, called it a marathon, and wasn't the fastest. <laughs>
1: Had a sex marathon. We taught, we taught
0: a uh sex, sex Yeah, you just did um did you do two workshops this week? No. We You did one last taught- week or two weeks or two, two weeks ago, right?
1: No. Just
0: <laughs> I'm so wrong. <laughs>
1: it's okay. I, I made it sound like we taught two, but we didn't. Uh we took over the poly workshop at our local sex positive sex toy store as uh-huh. well. The traveling tickle trunk in Edmonton.
0: Yeah.
1: Um but we haven't actually done that workshop yet. Cool. We just had like the handoff. So I watched the girl who's currently doing it do her workshop and she made me talk to people. <laughs>
2: yeah. We contributed a fair amount. It was nice being, um, uh, being there and being able to both respond to a bunch of the class questions and mm-hmm. all like stuff. Give yeah. us a, a pretty good feel for how it's going to be when we take it over.
0: Oh, that's really cool. And then you taught the, the butt one. We taught the butt one.
1: That was oh all my gosh.
2: us.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. Did people have amazing questions about butts?
2: Yeah, it was actually a really nice, uh, intimate group. I think there were nine or ten people there, and um, it's that's as much as they could fit in there. In there, in their small. <laughs> it's uh-huh. really small. Because everything, everything's a butt joke.
0: Yes, everything is a butt joke. <laughs> <laughs> so tight. Um, but some people
1: had some questions that I had not anticipated, like what happens when you get into the deep, deep, like sigmoid colon? Wow yeah we, we
2: did advertise this as a butts like 101 course yeah <laughs> as a advanced um butt fisting course right Yeah. what
1: happens how long do you think it takes for your butt to recover if you stretch it out really 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 big was another question yeah
0: yeah i've seen double fisting in an ass
2: yeah oh yeah. i know
1: it's possible i just have no idea
0: <laughs>
2: yeah me either
1: Recover from that yeah
2: and if uh-huh. it's getting to just go to the doctor just yeah canada. we have free, free health care just go to the doctor
0: yeah exactly canada makes that really easy yeah they have it specifically
1: for butt sex accidents just so many they just couldn't afford to take care of themselves and people are just shitting on the bus so they had to
0: you know i'm like so glad this just naturally came up because we actually have a question exactly on this very topic
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah. And so I thought it would be amazing because I heard Dan Savage respond to a question like this once and it just stuck with me so vividly. But I know that since you just taught a butt class that somebody with a butt question would be perfect for the two of you. Oh my goodness. So do you want to hear the question?
2: We'd love to. Okay. Okay.
0: Here we go. It was a text message and it says, Hi, Dawn, love the podcast. And I've been telling my friends they are terrified of butt love because they think your anus tissue will become stretched and not go back after time. They've also heard of it causing anal leakage. Are these concerns valid? What problems could occur? Thanks so much. Love you, Angela. Oh, I think these are very common myths. About what happens if you get too rambunctious with butt sex.
2: Yeah. yeah. You know? I know we, I think we address this like right at the beginning of the class as well to kind of allay some people's fears because these are some common misconceptions that pop up.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think people forget that poop it can be quite large. Sometimes you impress yourself with.
0: I've, I for, for sure, a few times turned around and been like, if it wasn't so gross, this deserves like something on Facebook. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> it's the size of like
2: an arm
1: <laughs> i wish that you could post that shit have that shit huh? <laughs> <laughs> <On Facebook. laughs> i mean i kind of do and i kind of don't
2: For a little yeah while, i had a twitter account that was my bowels of course you, did. <laughs> so, you know one night you're hanging out with friends and you're like oh, bowels this sounds great
1: <laughs> that sounds like a great idea <laughs> um so poop is big yeah your butt recovers from poop right usually yeah yeah it's probably going to recover from the stretching. I think so the butt, the sphincters of the anus are quite stretchy Mm -hmm. and just like any muscle, they actually return back to their normal state. If you don't rip them. Yeah.
2: As long as you don't injure something, if you're, Mm -hmm. if you're slowly warming up, slowly letting everything, uh, elongate and, and, and open up, Mm -hmm. everything will, you know, within reason, everything will return back to its, uh, its original state. But if you, if you all of a sudden go from, you know, even if you're just considering regular muscles in your body, if you go from no exercise to, like, lifting, deadlifting 300 pounds, you're going to hurt yourself yep. right off the bat. Yeah. Um, so, like, lots of warm-up, and they, and they will slowly, they will return, actually, pretty pretty quickly back to their normal state. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think it's n- fairly normal to have a little bit of kind of an open feeling in your anus after you've had mm-hmm. anal
0: sex, but... Because the muscles are stretched out.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But it it returns to normal, just like it does after you take a giant shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it's kind of like, you know, if you go to a yoga class and you spend an hour and a half like really slowly warming up and then stretching and then starting to feel really nice and like loose in your body and then you finish up class and you walk out of class being like, oh my God, I feel so like loose and open and stretchy in my body. But a few hours later, you're pretty much back to like your tense, anxious, tight self (laughs) and you'd have to do a slow warm up again if you wanted to try and like do some really intense yoga pose
1: oh absolutely i've even noticed if you're warming somebody up for anal sex and then you kind of take a pause to like Mm -hmm. go to the bathroom or something and you come back they often are just as tight as they were at the beginning yeah because it's stress related often too if they're anticipating something big going in there they might tighten up a little bit yeah Mm -hmm. and they
2: return back like they they get looser more quickly the second time or the third time that you're uh, you're entering in that you know in Mm -hmm. that play session Um, But yeah, it definitely tends to back up.
0: Yeah. The other problem they were asking about was leakage. Yeah. So it says her friends are worried about anal tissue becoming stretched and not going back and also worried about anal leakage. So they're wondering, are the concerns valid and what problems could occur if you were going to engage in anal sex?
2: So there's the immediate anal leakage there could always be poop there could always be mm-hmm. water if you had just uh enemas or, or a bunch of a bunch of lube <laughs>
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: um but in the long term with anal leakage uh un- like unless you actually damage something and, mm-hmm. and tear something by going too fast too too quickly yeah um i there's not that wouldn't be a thing
0: yeah
1: yeah i have also heard of people going too fast and needing what's called a sphincterotomy mm-hmm. so What happens is the internal anal sphincter, because there's two anal sphincters, the internal one and the external one, if you go too fast, the internal anal sphincter can get really Mm -hmm. angry and tight, Mm -hmm. and they'll have to go, it'll cause you tons of pain, it'll cramp like crazy, you basically won't be able to live your life because you'll have so much pain in your ass, and they'll go in and snip that sphincter so Mm -hmm. that it can relax, basically, and then Uh. it comes down. So that does happen to people, um, but it's definitely more rare than... Uh, you would anticipate if you were kind of afraid of anal
0: yeah i know one of the things that dan savage said once those this was probably a decade ago i was listening to his show and somebody wrote in with this very question you know like i'm interested in anal sex but i'm worried about like my butt getting stretched out and not going back and i think there was a mention of how like porn stars after they do anal have kind of like the gaping asshole thing but again that's like because they've done hours and hours and hours of warm-up And now they're nice and relaxed. But Dan Savage was like, all of the gay men in San Francisco are having gay sex. Like, they're having ass sex all the time. And if anal leakage and poop falling out was an issue when you had anal sex, then all of Folsom Street in San Francisco Mm -hmm. would just be littered with poop falling out of everybody's butts because everybody there is having butt sex. And so... You're not seeing poop all over the streets in San Francisco or hearing about it being a problem. And all of those guys are like fisting and having anal sex and using dildos in their butts. And it's totally not a thing. And like, I just loved that kind of super extreme example, but it's true. That's absolutely true. Yeah, it's
2: not as though they're like marketing depends specifically to San Francisco for right. you know, the anal leakage. Sexy right. Depends. Sexy Depends. <laughs> for your yeah. anal leakage yes. needs. Yeah. Leather Depends. Leather right.
1: Depends. <laughs> oh, Mr. S would have to carry Depends right <laughs> next to their giant dildos. Mr. S is a leather, leather store in San Francisco that's kind of targeted towards gay men. And uh-huh. often their, or a lot of their
0: butt toys are just enormous. Enormous. Like horse cock enormous
1: like your fist but the fist of assume a, sumo
0: a linebacker
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it perplexes me i like yeah. going in there and just staring at yeah. the toys because even the biggest toy at your standard sex positive sex toy store is tiny mm-hmm. in comparison
0: to these like
2: I just, yeah. I lamp, don't. Lamp bases, basically. Pretty
0: much. So yeah, I mean, I think when we're talking about anal sex, anytime you're playing with the butt, there's the potential for a little bit of a poop smell or a little bit of poop on the end of the dildo or on your fingers. Or, you know, if you enema beforehand, there could be, like you mentioned, a little water. There's definitely going to be lube going everywhere. And, you know, like you said, if there's warm up beyond that, You know, I I think the only thing to say is if you're doing extreme sports, then you may have um, different risks associated with that. So if you are going to like double fisting on a regular basis or doing just something that's really extreme with your body, which is super rad if that's what you're into, then you know, there may be some other considerations. But I think for most of us that are just interested in Like fingers in our butt or butt plugs or dildos or having anal sex with somebody who has a penis or using a strap on. You know, our bodies can absolutely accommodate pretty much all of that stuff because like you said, sometimes our poop is really big.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Especially if you go slow and use lube. I have heard of a lot of people having problems with tearing. Yeah. Because they don't use enough lube. Yeah. That can happen with if you put something as small as a finger in your butt and Uh you don't have lube and they have a long fingernail and they scratch the inside of your butt and those mucosal tissues inside your anus are super, super delicate. Right. And yeah, so it's pretty normal to have a tiny amount of blood, like a pinprick of blood. Uh The kind of amount of blood you would have if you took like a
0: really spiky poop or something. Yeah.
1: But if you're bleeding a lot, then you should probably go to the doctor.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but again, if you're going really slow, absolutely. and you're being patient, and you're aroused, and you're massaging the whole like anal area, and then you go luby finger, and then two lubi fingers, and then maybe a toy, our bodies can absolutely, for the most part, accommodate that kind of play. Yeah, totally, totally yeah. fine. So, Angela... Thank you so much for listening and for writing in. You can tell your friends to, one, listen to the show and all of our fabulousness, but two, that their concerns are more based on myths around anal sex than the actuality and the the realistic kind of playing out of the anal sex. So hopefully, if you're interested in it, you will give it a try and, of course, report back (laughs) (laughs) and let us know how that goes. So we got this other question, and I have so many questions, but I thought this one would be a really fun one to just kind of dig into together. It says, hey, guys, I'm a new listener, and I'm loving it so far. I feel so uneducated in the sexual department usually, so listening really helps me open my eyes to knowledge and new things. I was wondering if I could get some advice. Me and my partner are sexually active, but lately it hasn't been happening as much as it used to. We've gone down to every weekend now and every once in a while during the week. He's had some abuse in his childhood, so I know sometimes he's not always feeling it, but I don't know what I can do to make him feel more comfortable and try something new. Is there a different approach that I should be thinking about? Thanks. So it sounds like this person is unhappy with uh, the frequency of the sex that they are having with their partner. Um, That it's not happening as much as it used to, and they want to know how can we try something new or take a different approach to sex.
1: I think it's important to reflect on whether or not you're actually satisfied with the amount of sex that you're having. Mm -hmm. It can be easy to compare yourself to your history and say, well, we're not having as much sex as we used to. (laughs) But if you're having less sex, but you're still happy with the amount of sex that you're having, Mm -hmm. this isn't really a big deal
0: yeah. Right. Right. I totally agree. And if the sex that you are having is really pleasurable and really meets your needs and you're feeling really good about it, I I think that there's this myth that we're supposed to have a certain amount of sex if our sex life is healthy. You know, I've heard Dr. Oz say you should be having sex three times a week if you want to have a healthy sex life. And, uh, of course, like all the magazines and the mainstream media are always talking about more sex, more sex, more sex, how frequently has the sex died and all that kind of stuff. So I love that your first suggestion is if the frequency has changed, but you're happy with it, then maybe nothing needs to be changed.
2: Yeah. That's actually one of the biggest things in in past long-term relationships I've been in, um, crossing the year and a half to two year boundary. As soon as all those, like. Um, the initial love chemicals start to start to dissipate, yeah the new
1: relationship energy the new relationship
2: energy when that starts to to dissipate it 's really easy to compare it to the recent history, yeah um and I found as soon as I got into like year three or four. And hit hit like a kind of a natural stride; those comparisons stopped. Mm. Um, but it, it's still like it, with every new relationship I go into, it invariably at about the two-year mark um, starts to drop off a little bit, and you just start to acclimate to your partners. And yeah, but if, if it hits a, a rate where you like it, and 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 you're satisfied with the enthusiasm of the sex, mm-hmm. like the activities that the you're quality. actually doing, the quality of the sex, yeah, um, then there's nothing wrong there.
1: Yeah, Yeah, for sure. We are attracted to novelty and we're Mm -hmm. excited by new people often. And if you're not having any new people in your life, your sex drive will inevitably kind of taper off a little bit to its sort of steady state. And that's totally cool. But I guess, okay. so what if she actually isn't satisfied with her current sex life?
0: And I'm also wondering, like, as soon as I read a question like this, my first thought is... Are we defining sex as intercourse only? because I think so many people limit themselves when they only consider sex something going in something else?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And when I get stressed out, the last thing I want is somebody inside my body that way. Yeah. or having to have sex that is really uh, a lot of work. Mm-hmm. like if I really have to think about the other person's needs, which makes me sound like a terrible sex partner. But there's some days <laughs> where like I just really want to like masturbate, but you're in my body also masturbating using my body you know yeah when you get tired and you just jerk off in each other and that's okay that's totally cool well
2: it's almost like so yeah so what what is the goal like what is um what is success gonna look like here Mm -hmm. what are some of the doors of pleasure into the body like is is it sex because it's just sex or what or what does sex mean to you does it develop connection is it a Um, pleasure with yourself is it pleasure with another person? Is it pleasing another person? Is it
1: intimacy? Is it
2: intimacy? Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes you know you can have like lovely, snuggly mornings where we we don't have any like penetrative you know penis and vagina sex. Um, but we're just like two slippery otters all over. <laughs> <laughs> and that could be so fucking fun. It's so fun. Like having just your skin all light up. It's just a beautiful feeling. And, yeah. Um, and when we start, stop limiting sex to just being like penis and vagina, mm-hmm. I need this type. Uh, you can actually find that maybe sometimes those other types of sex lead into that.
1: Yeah. Um, or maybe or not being present with your partner in another way, is mm-hmm. just as, yeah. um, it fulfills those needs just as well as having that kind of physical sex, yeah, the penis and vagina kind of sex. To address her wanting to try something new, mm-hmm. it's hard to kind of figure out how you're going to do that without talking to your partner about this issue in the first place, I think. <laughs> yeah, I agree. If and I you think, want... oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just
0: going to say, and I think if you are going to talk to your partner about this kind of thing, making sure that you approach it from a oh my gosh, I love you so much and I love it when we have sex and I'm, I've am i been thinking, I think it would be really fun if maybe we try some new stuff, what do you think about it? And making it so that it doesn't feel like, I want to try new things because you're not giving me sex as often as we used to and I'm kind of worried about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This is a fun adventure. Uh-huh. We just heard about a friend of ours who brought the idea of going to a bondage workshop to her partner and she did it in a very like we're both beginners and let's try this new fun thing together kind of way instead of the, I've been jerking off about this for years and <laughs> there's all this pressure on you and we're going to break up if we don't try this bondage yeah. thing or <laughs> our sex life is a failure and you're not pleasing me. Yeah. So we need to do this because our sex is so boring.
2: Cause even um, in the lead up to it, cause we were, we were chatting with her and um, she was saying that, She was really worried about bringing it up to her partner, but then the way she presented it just sold it as, as an adventure, even though she was internally worried about it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love that. I, I feel like that's the key to success with so many relationship and sexual conversations of like, how can we do this together? How can we make this an adventure? Like, here's this thing I've been thinking about. So like, what do you think instead of I've been thinking about this a really long time, and I'm super terrified to talk to you about this, so whenever you have a minute for a really serious conversation, I want to tell you something.
1: And they probably are going to think it's such a huge deal, and then you'll be like, oh, I mm-hmm. actually was wondering if you would flog me. Right. And then your partner is like, oh, shit, I thought you were going to leave me for your boss, or mm-hmm. that you're pregnant, or that you're dying. Yeah. Or really, you just want to try this new
0: fun thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting that that she says, "I don't know what I can do to make him feel more comfortable." And I think like so often we forget that sometimes talking about sex is just really kind of awkward and weird. And it's okay to feel awkward and weird about it, and the more you do it, the easier it gets, but you kind of can't start at comfortable.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And even with practice, like it'll become It can become more comfortable. And then even like Sarah and I, sometimes we'll fall out of practice with talking about somewhat personal Mm -hmm. sex issues. Mm -hmm. And then when when we have to address something, we have to be like, oh man, we have to step into this awkward.
0: (laughs) Exactly.
2: Walk walk into the discomfort. Yeah.
1: Sometimes it will be something that doesn't even need to be that awkward. Like I can remember a time where Brian was, kind of scared to tell me about a sexual fantasy and I was really afraid of what that fantasy was going to be because he set it up to be this like really scary thing and then when he told me it was something he'd already told me about and I was like yeah I know it's <laughs> not a thing <laughs> and there's kind of two tones to awkward conversations mm-hmm. there's like the I'm crying and this is like ooh, this feels so gross awkward conversation yeah. and then there's the like I'm really dorky and I don't know how to talk I'm to kind you. of embarrassed like, oh, right wow. now yeah Yeah. And that tone tends to be a little bit more forgiving than Mm -hmm. the, like, this is the relationship ending conversation if we don't do this yeah sex thing, if we don't solve the sex problem. Yeah.
0: And I also think there are so many resources and tools, too, for people out there, especially like this listener who, you know, wants to kind of have some conversations, try some new things. I mean, this feels like a perfect situation for doing like a yes, no, maybe list with a partner or watching a couple of videos together and then just having a conversation of like, hey, what did you think about that? Or, you know, sending each other some like Lady Cheeky links um, to kind of say like, hey, here's five things that I saw on ladycheeky.com that I think are kind of sexy and you can send me five things. You know, there's like all these different tools and resources and ways to have the conversation so that it's not just you sitting there talking without any examples or without any like you know, aids that kind of make it a little bit easier and a little bit less risky. So I feel like all of those things could be really fun way to talk about sex and to see if maybe there's some new things that you want to try together and, like, make it playful.
2: Yep, absolutely. I, I know, like, even, um, say things like, uh, book Mating and Captivity. I was
0: about to talk about Esther Perel. <laughs> you
2: Farrell. read my mind. Yeah. Yay! Um, and so like it is, it is hard. And, and it's important to acknowledge that it is like long-term relationships are hard and are going to, um, anything that's going to last, you know, five years to decades is going to require a bunch of work there. Cause we aren't getting our novelty filled by this, by the same partner.
1: That's like a fundamental flaw of the long-term relationship is that there the novelty is lacking. That's what that means. Esther yeah. Pearl goes into a lot of ways of rekindling desire by kind of creating distance between you and your partner. So maybe you guys go out and do something by yourselves or by like each separately by yourself, or you see your partner do like a speech or something that they're really good at. Like you go watch your partner play baseball and you're seeing them at a distance and you're reminded of what was attractive about them. That can, that seeing them at a distance is kind of like how you were seeing them before you guys were all entangled. And that can help you feel a little bit more of a boner towards your partner.
0: Yeah. I love that. Just finding ways to really appreciate them instead of the version of them that you kind of carry around with you.
2: Absolutely. I know whenever I see like, Sarah, I give a talk somewhere or, um, or even just like talking on this podcast here, I I'd sit aside and I listen and you get, um, you, all the things that were implicit now become explicit and you uh-huh. get a very different view of your partner. Yeah. 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 And it's just like, I just want to bone you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just really want to fuck you now. Yeah. So like, <laughs> you, you know,
2: if, uh, if they're doing like a stuff, uh, for example, I know, uh, for me, I yeah, like people who are like, Get up on stage and do things. So if I saw like Sarah up and up and telling a story, I'd just be like, "Yes, that's it." Yeah. But what, what What gets you excited about your partner, and then giving that space, to let that happen. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. And I love that. I love that very first suggestion that you gave of just like really checking in and seeing is the frequency truly a problem or do you think the frequency is a problem just because of all of these like stories and myths that we have and ultimately what's the goal like what kind of a connection do you want to have what kind of a sexual experience do you want to have are there other ways you can sexually connect other than you know intercourse or however maybe you normally have sex are there other opportunities there so I think that's all just so powerful and juicy and relevant and I actually want to pivot to the next question because you brought up mating in captivity and that's perfect because we got an email from Sammy and it says, hey Dawn, I'm a student in college and I'm absolutely fascinated by all the different aspects of sex. I was wondering if you could recommend some of your favorite books regarding all sexual topics. P.S. I love your podcast and the informed sex-positive views that you have. So you mentioned Meeting in Captivity by Esther Perel, and that's one of my very favorite books. So I was wondering if you all have any books around like sex and sexuality that you totally adore or that you turn to regularly or that you recommend regularly that we can share with Sammy.
1: Absolutely. I think... I Just off the get-go, this isn't a book at all, but Sammy, that's their name, right? Yeah. Should check out uh, Sex Geekdom.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Right? If you want to geek out about sex, Sex Geekdom is a series, a group of groups Mm -hmm. uh, all over the world where people can go and talk about sex in a really um, non-creepy, kind of dorky sort of way. Yeah. And uh, it's really um, not very intimidating. We're all part of Sex Geekdom. Oh my gosh! we are yeah, oh,
0: that's yeah, so good. You run yeah. a group up in Canada, we do, and I kind of half run the d c group, but I've been so busy lately that my co uh emissary has been doing all of the work lately, but yeah, they're like all over the world everywhere, everywhere, yeah, yeah literally I mean, they're like in New Zealand and Singapore or something. We just got someone in Southeast Asia, I think, yeah,
2: but that's
0: right, yeah, books. what books? I have like a long list that I just jotted down because as soon as you said Mating in Captivity, I was like, oh my God, I want to do that question.
1: <laughs> I really, okay, this is kind of a weird one, okay. but as kind of an anthropological look at a subculture, mm-hmm. I really like the book Leather Folk, um, which is like an edited volume. I can't remember. Mark Thompson, I think is the editor. Okay, But it's a group, it's a book looking at different types of, leather sexuality which is kind of a subset of the bdsm community Mm -hmm. and it's a very spiritual community it has a long history in the gay community uh they were really broken by aids because they were blamed in the gay community for a lot of the aids oh or like that kind of gay man who does fisting and stuff like that like yeah so it's really interesting book and the stories are really touching often Um, oh that's really
0: that's really cool
1: yeah they talk about being like a sexual minority in a sexual minority group they talk about body body politics and legality stuff and it's just really interesting and gritty kind of book
0: Ooh, i like i like gritty i
1: know
0: yeah i have never actually heard of that book so now i have to get it
1: (laughs) yeah there's lots of anal fisting cool um which is super cool i don't know it's just like a really sexy subculture yeah yeah
0: what other books?
2: Uh oh, I'm staring at the bookshelf right now.
0: Oh, this, I can see the like like, uh, man, I know Girl
2: Sex 101. Girl so 101, it, yes, Sex
0: 101. Yes, by Alice, Alice Moon. And Amazing.
2: And I mean, so for me, the books that I have liked have, are the one have been more of a time. They've, they've, they've met the need for me at the time that I needed them. Yeah. Um, so when I came out of one of my last long-term relationships, uh, sex at dawn was a real eye opener to different ways of interacting with sexuality. Mm. And mm-hmm. Seeing why some things might've been so tough. Yeah. Um, and if I, if I read that now, it might not hit as much of a chord with me. Right. Um,
1: we also met because of sex at dawn. Oh, so that's so special. Like, okay. Keep the message about it. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I'm
0: about. Yeah. Uh, my number one recommended book to my clients is Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski
2: I was just looking at that okay. one yeah. that was my next yeah, yeah
0: that's Thanks. my number one recommended book followed by Urban Tantra by Barbara
2: Curlis yes I like that
1: yeah. one too yeah, yeah.
2: especially if because um, she said she was younger and in, in, in college right so she might still ha- be having oh. to uh, and this can happen to anybody anytime but um, she's had less time to undo the stigma that um, sex has put onto mm-hmm. women in culture yeah and, and so both those books could uh, could help a ton that way,
0: yeah, I have Ultimate Guide to Kink" by Tristan Terramino, which is fun Amy Joe Goddard's Woman on Fire oh, I've
1: super been loving that book, yeah, yeah
0: it's really great. I just love amy joe's concept of coming home to yourself over and over again,
1: yeah, she has a lot of really great things to say about about identity, too, yeah, that have been really meaningful to me lately, yeah, I also really like more than 2.
0: Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, by Franklin a- Vo.
1: Yeah, and Edith Rickard. I think it, there's yep. two authors. Yeah. Even though it's a polyamory focused book, I think it has a lot of good things to say about the way that we, re- we relate to each other and the way mm-hmm. that we um empower each other in relationships.
0: Along those lines, I was going to say Rewriting the Rules by Meg Jung Barker. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if, for the same reasons of just like Questioning the way that we even think about relationship, think about sexuality, think about pleasure, um, so yeah i love I love how you're saying like with more than two, it kind of helps you to question even the way that we connect and treat each other
2: I know um in kind of a relationship area i I both like and don't like the five love languages. Oh
0: my god, yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I tell everyone, take the quiz, but don't read the book.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's nice as a as a base framework for realizing mm-hmm. that people take, uh, accept care and love into their lives through different means. Yeah. Um, but I don't totally like a lot of the presentation of the book. It's, yeah. It's very Christian focused.
0: Yes. It's very Christian focused and kind of like biblical marriagey kind of approach. Yeah. But I love that. I like, I love the concept of the love languages and you can go online everybody can go online and take the love language quiz for free um just to find out kind of what your favorite way of receiving love is because we have a tendency to default to giving people love the way we like to receive it but that can feel really bad to other people and even if you don't subscribe to the idea that there's five distinct ways of
1: giving or receiving love it does make you think that The ways that I feel appreciated and loved are different Mm -hmm. than the ways that you can feel appreciated and loved. So you don't necessarily need to be like, oh, I like gifts and you like touch. It can start a conversation about what makes us feel special and how we can help each other.
0: Yeah, I know. I was talking to Monique Darling once and she said one of my love languages is Facebook likes. And I loved that so much because I was like, you know, it's not just about these five love languages. It's about we have all of these ways that we really love being appreciated and loved. And but once we have the language around it, then we can start creating our own definitions for it.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
2: One of the things that you'll probably find is as she gets into it, there's, um, there's such an expanse of books. Like mm-hmm. you, you know, you sometimes come to sex and it's, it's like you, you have, you have your preconceptions and then you realize that there are a million books and a million ways and a million meetup groups. Yeah. And, um, you can just geek out about in, into the deepest depths of everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know even like talking to people in the kink community, it's just like, Oh man, there's so many subgroups in here.
0: Yeah. And I think also like if you lay a really solid sex, positive foundation, you know, if you read Esther Perel, if you read Alison Moon, Tristan Termino, Barbara Karellis, Emily Nagoski, Amy Jo Goddard, Meg John Barker, you know, Franklin Vo, and that kind of forms your foundation, then you can start reading all of these other books about sexuality and relationships and bodies and gender And you can take in what works for you, but then also have that sex positive critical lens for anything that's like super gendered or super sexist or, you know, just kind of a lot of, you know, sex books become... Misinformed fairly quickly. Yeah. You know, when we're talking about like STIs and safer sex protocols and the way we talk about gender or trans issues, you know, every couple of years, all of the language changes, all of our information about infections and diseases changed. So oftentimes, if you go to a book that was published 10, 15 years ago, the information is dated now. But if you have that solid sex positive foundation, there's still going to be nuggets that you can probably pull from it that help you feel more informed but also know okay these things aren't how we talk about trans issues anymore or right. aren't you how can we talk take about you like
1: and leave the rest exactly i really like that view yeah of education
0: yeah and it'll also help you to like pick up a book and start reading it and just think like holy shit this is crap like men are from mars women are from Venus. <laughs> or um i was reading this book called the new naked by this urologist talking all about like male sexuality and it's so sexist and so gendered Aww, and so yeah. gross and like the more I read it, the angrier I got. And I was I was with a friend in Portland when I was reading it, and I was like underlining things so angrily as I was reading it. And he was like, "Maybe you shouldn't finish this book. You're really stressed out." And I was like, "I have to see how bad it gets." <laughs> I like
2: You're that just with, like tearing a phone yeah, book
0: pretty much. <laughs> I like that
1: with the sex, or it's not a sex podcast, but it's a podcast that often talks about sex and dating, mm-hmm. and it's for men, but occasionally they'll talk about women. And every single time they talk about dating they'll just say something that infuriates me (laughs) and brian's like you should stop listening to this podcast and i just can't stop
2: (laughs) i can't i'm I'm really glad in, in, in the list of like resources there were lots of um it wasn't just a whole bunch of books by men mansplaining sex to everybody else it was like by people who you know 10 years ago or 15 years ago might not have had a voice and now um -hmm. just provide them like we're all better when we have a diversity of voices in our community
0: yeah absolutely If you think of any other books after we get off uh, the call today, feel free to like tweet them out or send them to me and I'll make sure that they're in the show notes for this episode. So hopefully, Sammy, that gives you a nice jumping off point for lots of really amazing books and also checking out Sex Geekdom, of which we're all members and we're super big fans of. You could find some local sex geeks, hopefully, that you can like connect with and share articles and stories with and all that kind of stuff. So I have one last question that I'd love to bounce off the two of you. We've got like 10 minutes left. Mm-hmm. The question is full of emotion uh, and frustration, but I think that it could potentially be a really interesting discussion. So are you up for one more? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So, it says, Dear Don and Dylan, but Dylan's not here anymore, so wont. Uh mm-hmm. <laughs> First, let me say that 10 minutes after I randomly stumbled across your podcast, I was hooked. Your positive and positivity approach, your knowledge of content, and your enthusiastic and playful delivery of the subject is absolutely infectious to your listeners. You are truly the click and clack of sex talk. Here's my Aww. question. <laughs> my longtime wife and partner really enjoys the most and increasingly exclusively quickie sex. While I enjoy the process of lovemaking with plenty of foreplay and extended time going at it, she loves the hard, fast fuck. To her, foreplay is enjoyable and all that, but she's like, when can we get to the entree? Now, an orgasm for both of us, sort of at the same time is a bonus, and then it's like, check please, waiter. He said, I've tried all sorts of paces, styles, tactics, order of business to change things up or to prolong our sexy times, which typically isn't more than half an hour, but it's always slam, bam, thank you, ma'am, and then it's on with her day. A book, television show, work, sleep, whatever. By the way, it's sometimes okay with me, and I totally believe this guy-like preference of my wife for the perpetual fast fuck would make her a perfect partner for many, many dudes out there. We do talk, but our communication isn't really great. To her, discussion is the same as complaining, which means something is wrong, which makes her feel sad and uncomfortable. She does say that after her first orgasm, and certainly by her second, her girl bits get sensitive, and further play beyond that just doesn't feel as good. I'm looking for tips, thoughts, or suggestions. Thanks, Mr. Too Quick. P.S. Maybe I'll change that to Mr. Broken Heart. As I learned before I sent this, that Dylan is leaving. (laughs) Oh, I know.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna miss Dylan too. I can't yeah,
0: to that. I know. She's p- a poop. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> said with said love. Said <laughs> said. <laughs> so yeah. So it sounds like Mister Too Quick is frustrated because his wife just really wants like hard, fast sex, get it over with, and he wants more of the foreplay and the extended connection and lovemaking. And it sounds like he's tried lots of different things, but their communication isn't really great. And so he's looking for tips, thoughts, or suggestions.
1: I wonder what she has going on mm-hmm. in her life that's distracting her. Mm-hmm. Whenever I have, like, lots of stress or dishes or work or something else I need know I need to be doing, it's really hard for me to get in my body. And I wonder if she's got – she's thinking about something.
0: Yeah, I actually am in the same way. Like, if I have – a to-do list as long as my arm and like a really big project or I'm trying to do something around the house or I'm just feeling really stressed, it feels more stressful if I think about like, okay, for the next hour and a half or two hours, we're going to be doing like sexy time. I don't have that kind of time right now. I have so much to do and this is just going to make things worse. And so can we do this quickly is kind of where I end up going when I'm feeling really like stressed and like time is, is precious.
1: I also, I can understand how she feels maybe like discussions are complaining. Sometimes when your partner comes to you with some sort of problem, especially if it's sex and you're not really feeling into sex right now, the sex can feel like just another fucking thing that you have to do. And it's just adds to that to-do list and it doesn't feel like fun anymore. It just
2: feels yeah. like
0: extra crap that you yeah. have to take care of for somebody else.
2: Yeah. It's another ask on top of everything else.
0: Exactly. So yeah, I think there's a lot of like really juicy stuff in here. I mean, first of all, thank you to Mr. Too Quick for all of the wonderful compliments about the podcast and for listening. But I think it's also really difficult when you're in a very long-term, I mean, he says long-term, long-time wife and partner. So you've been in this relationship for an extended period of time. You have your rituals and your your kind of default settings, And when you want to try and shift those, it can be really, one, threatening and two, difficult because there's this, I think there's a tendency when you're in relationship, as soon as things start feeling a little unsettled or like someone's trying to change something, the other person starts to dig in. Like, no, this is how we do things. Mm. And so I think just being sensitive to the fact that it might take a little bit of time if you really are trying to bring this discussion up and finding ways to do it so that it doesn't feel like a burden. I think what you said, Brian, was great. You know, it's just like one more thing. So, you know, I think it can be really powerful to find ways, find times when it's really natural for conversation to be flowing to then just kind of start bringing up, some thoughts you've been having or, you know, a video that you saw and something that's not about the two of you. But like, if you tend to have long conversations in the car or maybe, you know, on Sundays when you go to like a family dinner and the two of you tend to talk a lot or like in bed right before you fall asleep. I think it's nice. I think most people tend to have kind of a thing that they do where they end up. Talking to each other more often than not, like when they go for walks or on date night. So I think that's a good opportunity, rather than disrupting an already busy day to try and have like a big talk.
1: I also kind of wonder if maybe she just likes that kind of sex. Yeah, and that's totally fine. Like maybe she just wants the D. You Mm -hmm. know, (laughs) like she just wants to get to it, and that's just the sex that she likes. And absolutely, kind of this fundamental incompatibility thing, which I don't want to be like. You have to break up it's possible that no matter how much you talk about this, she's Mm -hmm. not going to change her mind because she just enjoys that kind of sex better. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, so say she, uh, say there was opportunity for change. One of the things that's important, like humans never really respond to mass upheavals. Uh Um, It's always got to be like small changes being, being put in and realize like if, if she is open to, to having a different type of sex uh-huh. uh, and, and working on that that he might have to be doing a bit more uh, work to to remind and to and to help out with uh, with some of those small changes but those small changes can't be imposed they have to be done in a kind of an agreement fashion
0: yeah
1: right so if he says if he asks her what she has on her plate that he maybe could take off her plate for her. Like yep. She's usually in charge of doing the cooking and the dishes or something. And he says, I can do that for you if that will make you less stressed out and make you want to have sex with me more. Mm-hmm. I also think this might be a good opportunity for uh, Reed Mahalko's difficult conversation formula yeah. to kind of maybe change the way that they normally have these discussions. It's possible that he's presenting their discussions normally as kind of a complaint. Like it just right. sounds complainy. Mm-hmm. So Reed's difficult conversation formula goes something like, um, I have to talk to you about something. I'm afraid that this, this, and this will happen. So I'm afraid that you'll think that I'm complaining and I'm adding more things to your plate. Or I'm afraid that you'll think that I want to leave you. Or I'm afraid that you think that I won't think you're, that I don't think you're good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of this conversation, I, I would like the outcome of this conversation to be us having a dialogue about our sex life in a way that we don't normally have. Mm-hmm. Um, us to come to a place where we can agree that our sex life could look like this or so you're kind of telling her how you would like her to respond to this request Mm -hmm. and then you end it with the actual request so um i'm concerned that uh, our sex life is just entirely quickies and i would i kind of Mm -hmm. miss having that longer sort of sex
0: um Yeah. I think that using that formula could be really powerful. And I also think um, getting a little bit curious about the type of sex that they have, you know, I mean, has she ever expressed any interest in Tantra or BDSM? Has that ever been a conversation that either of you have had? You know, I mean, I think that both Tantra and BDSM have a tendency to build in time, Mm
2: -hmm. you know,
0: because you're setting up scenes or you're settling into eye gazing and breathing. And those may be something that she's interested in, but she's just never felt like she had a way to talk about, or she doesn't even know that they're out there, or she feels like she just can't fit them into her life. So, You know, I think even finding ways to talk about sex in a new way that invites some curiosity could be a really powerful technique for getting a conversation going that's not about the problem. Yeah. Because I think and it's more fun, exactly. Right? Like it's exploration in, right? Because I think sometimes when we have a problem, we end up getting so stuck in solving the problem that we forget there's lots of other options that are out there that we can be talking about, and through the course of time, that can really end up solving the problem. But you're coming at it from a less direct place, and so I think you know if if talking to her makes her feel like you're complaining, and you want a different type of sex than maybe actually talking about a very different type of sex of you know tantra or impact play or role play or going to classes together or watching videos online you know that might be something that she's interested in um, but it just has never been brought up as an option and who knows you know I mean maybe if he brings up like Hey, I know you read Fifty Shades of Grey a couple years ago, and I just found this online course all about like intro to BDSM. Well, what would you think if we went to that together? And who knows? You know, I mean, maybe she'd be super into that. And then because of that discussion, now instead of just the traditional less than 30 minute quickie, they're spending an hour kind of trying out a new spanking technique. I you also know.
1: think that like, if, if they're not interested in Tantra or BDSM, mm-hmm. just changing the location where you're having sex can sometimes break you out of those yeah. thought patterns. So if you're in a place where you can't put the laundry away because there is no laundry, you're not going to be as fixated on those things. Yep. So I often find that if I'm having sex in a hotel, yes. the sex <laughs> will take forever and it's great because the context changes Mm -hmm. and emily nagoski's book come as you are has a lot of stuff about desire and context and stuff like that and that might be a useful read for them too
0: and i just like i love what you said sarah about the fact that like she may just really really love a hard fast fuck you know like that might just be what feels amazing to her and maybe she's tried lots of other things or thought about lots of other things and just really decided like Getting pounded gets me into my body and when it's quick, I know that we're going to be able to make time for each other and that's ideal for me because if it wasn't quick, then I wouldn't be able to make the time. So maybe this just is her ideal situation But that conversation needs to be had. And if that is the case, then I feel like Mr. Too Quick needs to find ways to get his needs met, Mm -hmm. you know, whether that's long masturbation sessions or lots of solo foreplay, you know, and you can super be open with your wife about this. of just like, you know, I've realized I really want to spend more time in the actual sex act before the fucking, but I know you super love the fucking. So I'm thinking like, maybe I'll do some like... Edging or some extended masturbation before we get to the sex together, so that I have all this warm up and this time with myself. Or maybe it's watching videos or whatever it is. Or you know, maybe it's considering going and opening up the marriage or bringing in a third. Or who knows? I think there's a lot and lot a lot of options, but I think there also needs to be this invitation for the listener, our listener, you know, to decide like, how can I get my needs met, and also. Just think really carefully about, like, my wife, her situation, what's going on, what does she want, what conversations have we had, and maybe this just really is what she likes, and trying to change her could potentially just be really disrespectful.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. You're telling her how she's supposed to be enjoying sex. That, right. That sucks. Right.
2: I think one of the things that came up for me in there was the um, the communication stuff. So yeah. I know um, I in a past relationship a partner and I went to a uh, a couples counselor and it was nice to have kind of a, a neutral third party mm-hmm. in the room that um that asked us questions and kind of forced us to come back the next week and have thought about them and answered them and really actually face those things because if the communication isn't that great, you're just going to keep uh, one, uh, one or both parties. You're just going to keep kind of dodging the problem. And that just leaves, um, like he's obviously a little bit distressed and, um, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling that. So, but, but, you know, if you go to a couple's counselor, make sure that they're sex positive. That that they're sex positive. That they realize that this is a problem. um, Yeah. That this is something that needs to be addressed, and that it's not just—it's not fair to be like, but you're getting some type of sex, so you should be happy. That's not a—that's not the type of counsel you want. Yeah, and it's also
1: possible that he isn't missing long extended sex, but he's missing long extended intimacy, presence together. And if she just wants to kind of bang one out really fast, but is open to going for a long walk together, where you. Mm you're really present together and you put your phones away and you talk. Or maybe she's into going to yoga classes together or acro yoga or something. Yeah. right. Like there's lots of ways that you can connect and be together and it's intimate that don't require sex. And yeah. maybe she just doesn't like the feeling of getting super, 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 super aroused or something. Maybe she just really likes getting
2: yeah, yeah. That, you know, he said, uh, was it after the first or second orgasm she starts to get a little sore? Yeah, lube could be an idea if they're mm-hmm. not already using. But lube, it might be it the oversensitivity thing. It might be thing. the oversensitivity thing, especially right. if she's
1: having clitoral yeah. orgasms. Like that's yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is totally something that happens.
2: A- absolutely, absolutely. But if you're not lube, using lube, right, you can also probably yeah. use, use lube too. But <laughs> a might... Massage a massage. Yeah. That would be
0: great. Oh yeah, maybe she'd be yeah. into massage, especially if she's really busy yeah like a sensual or erotic massage and oh my god well i I know not everybody loves it but jesus christ i do
2: (laughs) did you say she goes off to like watch tv pretty quickly
0: yeah it says it's always slam bam thank you ma'am and then it's on with her day book tv show work sleep whatever So yeah, who knows? Maybe a massage would feel really good or like rubbing her feet, you know, at the end of a long day or just something that gets you physically connected. um, And that makes her feel good. And like, there's not an additional burden for her to worry about. And then that can lead to sex. But yeah, I think I I love these suggestions of what are other ways you can get the intimacy that you're seeking if sex isn't one of the ways that you're going to get that. Thank you so much for writing in, Mr. Too Quick. And thank you for listening. And yeah, report back and let us know how things are going because I'm curious and I'd love to hear. I love so much your perspectives and just how wonderful the two of you are because you're both just Aww. like, oh my gosh, I love you so much. And Brian, your we voice you is like so sexy.
1: It super is. I <laughs> it's know. so sexy. And doing the Esther Perel partner from a distance yeah right exercise right now <laughs> well, I know
2: stay up way too late sex marathon. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it's done
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I would love for you to tell people how they can stay in touch or find you online uh and then I'll do a little wrap-up for the podcast
1: sweet so we have a website called on it, you can see our YouTube videos mm-hmm. that we used to put up quite frequently but have been on a bit of a hiatus with that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Twitter.
2: We also have a Twitter account. We're sex on Twitter. Um, we also, on our, on our website, yasex.ca, we post up any future courses that we may be doing. So we had, um, we had done a, uh, a How to Have Successful Threesomes or a Sweden Sexy Threesomes course, threesomes course back in back in December. We did an anal sex one just recently. We'll post all our upcoming courses onto there. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also have a Facebook page.
1: Yeah, if you search "Yay Sex Coaching and Education," that's us.
0: Yay. Okay, cool. We'll all have links to all of your goodness on the Sex Gets Real page. And of course, to all of our listeners, be sure to go to sexgetsreal.com. There's a contact form you can email in with your information. And I try to reply to as many as I can. And you can also do anonymous submissions. So if you have something that you want to ask about or share, but you don't want anyone to know who you are, you can do the anonymous submission. And, uh, I'm still looking for iTunes reviews for the podcast. We have tons of new listeners from Spotify, which is really exciting. So thank you to all of our new Spotify listeners. You've been so freaking responsive. Like... I've been getting more emails and texts than ever before since Spotify opened up. So all of you Spotify listeners are like super rad. But um, in podcast land, iTunes reviews are a big part of how podcasts get rated. So even if you're listening on Spotify or you're listening on Stitcher or something like that, if you could pop over to iTunes and search for Sex Gets Real and leave a review, that would be amazing. And I would love you forever and ever and ever across podcast land. So this is Dawn Sarah. I just want to thank you so much, Brian and Sarah, for being here. This was amazing and I love you both and you're incredible. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you next week.